Hello, and welcome back to Articulate. Are you ready to get your mind blown yet again by Sir Logan Marshall? He's not knighted, but he should be. This week, he comes in and, and just, just, just chats it up. You know, he's just, I could put him in a room for probably 24 hours, and he could just talk for the full 24 hours, which is great about him. And the thing is, I would listen. So what? This episode goes on a little long, and you know what? It's all great stuff. So enjoy it. I want to keep the this intro kind of short because of that reason, um, but I did want to say real quick, I am no longer recording this in the closet anymore because I talked to my roommates, which is cool. <laughs> I'm not in the closet anymore. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> but he said something yesterday, uh, my roommate Sonam, that kind of goes along with the theme of what goes into this episode a little bit. And it's just the idea of breaking down politics to if we had one person or world power controlling everything in the whole world, every single decision they would make would split the world by 50%. Like there would be 50% of people would agree with it, 50% would disagree with it. So the idea of making a system that is able to get around that is really where our problem lies in society. And that's a deep deep thought just to like throw at you right right you know right off the top of the episode but you know it, i just want you to to get ready uh, and, and kind of keep that in mind when you're going through this episode with logan and i so yeah uh enjoy it support logan and everything that he does text him tell him that you love him and yeah i hope you enjoy it all right ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Welcome back, Logan Marshall. How you Thank doing, you. bud? Doing all right. Are you excited for this episode? Yes, about I'm curious. the um, the relationship between ethics and aesthetics. Okay, it's a big topic. It is a very huge topic, but I figured who else to get into it. Yeah, right. It's just because I took a class called uh, Moral and Morals and Arts or oh, yeah, Morality yeah. or something. So you know, I got really interested on the topic and I had to watch that one movie, which we'll bring up later, uh, The Triumph of the Will. And oh yeah, yeah right, right. right. Really like connected on that. Um, but I kind of want to give this like so. The first assignment they had us do gave us like a, gave me a little bit of background on like I never even considered the two topics together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I never thought about how they play on each other mm-hmm. and whatnot. But through time, this, they they gave us like a little bit. There was like this whole essay. It was actually kind of a bitch. It was like twenty like twenty pages. Yeah. I was like, oh, first first assignment, twenty pages to read. Nice. Yeah. But it was really uh, informative. And, um, but I'm going to break it down in like five minutes for everybody. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just about like the relationship over time of the two where like aesthetics being like art and, you know, things that are made for, from creativity mm-hmm. and ethics being like the ethical, stand, eth- ethical and moral standard of um, like society and people in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of starts off, you know, with the natives, like the very first people they told like those stories about you know the ancestors and the stars and whatnot mm-hmm. and all of those stories were creative but they were created in a way to teach lessons mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. about yeah, definitely. and then from there I think what the essay kind of followed is that society and ethics like all all the arts and stories and, and stuff like that kind of mirrored what they thought their morals should be during that time period mm-hmm. so like during Greek and Roman time period, they have, you know, the statues of the Olympics and, like, the gods mm-hmm. being, like, super ripped and, like, yeah. their moral standards during that part was, like, people who were strong and people who could fend for themselves and fight for their mm-hmm. country and stuff. And that mm-hmm. was, like, where their mind was. And then it kind of progressed past that into the Renaissance. And at this point, this is kind of where the point 
the period in history kind of where it was the revival of art and it's very art centric and you think it's kind of good for art, but also this is where the artists became almost as important as the art. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So as opposed to, you know, putting society's moral standards into their art, they put their own. Moral right. Standards yeah. Into def- their art. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. then it completely got away from them kind of during the enlightenment. Like this is almost where the, the time period of almost like the full separation, they turned art into more of an a- academic thing, mm-hmm. you know, learning the techniques and styles mm-hmm. and it's all about individualism at this mm-hmm. point. And mm-hmm. I mean, from there, it's just kind of like now every, everybody creates art and everybody creates mm-hmm. all, art based off of what they're feeling. Yeah. And it's almost like a, yeah. Like a, it's weird to think that it was once it was not like that just because today is so, so de- it's like all about, here's my voice, here's my, (laughs) which is cool, but yeah, it's definitely, people forget that it wasn't always, and you were having, you know, a lot of artists had to be commissioned by, like, the church or the government, you know, to get, if you're, you know, the materials, like the marble or, oh yeah, you know, stuff like that. And Well, and so that's the thing, is that's where, like, the kind of art, idea of what their morals might have been changed just because of mm-hmm. who was funding it you know right well the church is like well you have to make this piece of art based off of our definition of what morality is right yeah and you just you know you had to make your money and, and maybe that's where you know people are like i mean i don't know a lot about this subject but i know michelangelo you know even in like the sistine chapel was sneaking in like little disses to the church and stuff even though it was for funded the, and yeah. for the church, he was, you know, sneaking in little symbolic, uh, I mean, because, you know, no, nothing anybody would really catch except for him. Yeah. Uh, well, except later, of course, when people study it, like, they say, well, that's weird because these two images are associated, but... Yeah, well, it's yeah, like yeah. Uh, Da Vinci, right? That famous, the creation of man, that yeah. most painting, where it's like, it is God touching Adam, right? But then... That's Michelangelo. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's... Um, oh, okay, Chapel. so that's yeah, what you're yeah. talking about. That's my bad. No, um, no, it's okay. I'm that's not... actually part of the... Part of the Sistine Chapel. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, but like the, like you said, it's like a little thin how God is like in the shape of a brain or like all the Mm -hmm. stuff around him is in the shape of a brain, Mm -hmm. insinuating that, Mm -hmm. you know, like the world comes from within. Within, right, right. Or something like that. Right, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard of that. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. No, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's in the Da Vinci Code. That's how I... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Nice. That's why I thought it was. You talking about the book or the movie? The movie for sure. I didn't read the book. Because that's based off a book, right? Dan Brown or it, one of those guys. To, yeah, anyway, yeah. You know, it's too good of a movie to not be based off of a book. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I was gonna ask about like what you think, like the general relationship between ethics and aesthetic is. I mean. I mean, today, like, what does it look like? Well, like, throughout time, since I guess that's kind of what we just kind of covered, and, like, maybe where we're headed. It's definitely, I mean, I think in some sense, the as- there's, like, the, the reality of, like, the natural tension that exists between art and business, which we still see today, like, you know, speaking on, like, the movie industry, at least, you know, you need a lot of money, even for an indie film, you need a lot of money, so you're going to get funding either from... If you're a big film, you know, from a studio, and maybe they're more hands-on, maybe they're more hands-off. Nowadays, you're seeing certain companies like Netflix give their creators more independence and creative um, Well, that's the only reason freedom, Scorsese could make a... That's what we talked Irishman. about last time. Yeah, yeah, cause in, which was interesting because he... And he's, you know, in some sense, he fights against what Netflix is doing to at least cinemas, like the ability of movies to be shown in cinemas, which is like a 
thing he really believes in, you know, be, seeing these images, these large format images on the big screen. But, um, but he, he understood like the only way I could get this made is this, this was the only company willing to give me the freedom. And he struck a deal with them to also let him show it in certain, in theaters for a certain amount of time. And Netflix was willing to do that. Um, but anyway, I guess like, so there's always this tension, which is, and how that relates to, I guess, the ethics and aesthetics question is that, you know, a lot of times, you know, these bigger companies are going to say, well, that's too edgy. So let's like draw that back. Right. Like we don't want to, you know, we, we don't want to quite get into that social issue as seriously as you are. So because they don't want to be uh, divisive, they don't want to be controversial or seen as like, yeah, they don't want to lose some of their like more conservative audience, (laughs) you know, yeah, they don't want to lose money. And so, but now we're seeing obviously as it just all depends on, I guess, what the social, whatever society and what the social norm is like, or not norm, but what the social like trend is. Cause now you're seeing a lot of stuff that's very much trying to do the opposite, like trying to expose unheard stories or like, you know, hopefully we're giving, you know, directors of color or female directors more like opportunities. It's more acceptable. It's, it, it, well, and that's kind of like art imitating life, you know, like our idea. Definitely. That, yeah. I feel like that's where we've definitely moved away from like art trying to, yeah, like tell people what life should be and more of just like a reflection, I think, in a general sense. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you start getting well, like... that's always the constant battle too. It's mm-hmm. like, it's always, okay, art right now is saying this is what we should be. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we get to that point and then it kind of reverts and it's mm-hmm. just a reflection and then, I mean, on and on and on. Right, right. Yeah, so that's, I mean, it's something that's always going to evolve and it's always going to depend on like the society. I mean, you know, we can, we don't have to jump to triumph for the will yet, but I mean, that's recent history. That's not like the enlightenment period or anything. And you're there, you're all, I mean, Hitler had an affinity for like the Roman and Greek sort of, I mean, you know, the, the, some of their, their ideals of like strength and, you know, and, and, and all that. And obviously he tried to like mimic and triumph for the will, like, sort of these epic emperor like speeches you know of like a crowd of adoring fans and he's seen as a god flying in on the plane right like landing yeah. from like like so, an angel coming down to earth right like yeah so triumph of the will uh who was the director again Lenny Reifenstahl Lenny Reif- yeah so she, I think that's how you pronounce she, it she yeah so I guess we should just get into it now why not yeah you know? sure I mean it's it, it was a documentary that was completely funded by Hitler and the party. And she actually worked for him for mm-hmm. one film before mm-hmm. that she made kind of... She didn't have as much creative uh, uh, freedom with it. But yeah. then he saw what she did with that and wanted her to make this documentary about just him, like the Third Reich, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. The whole political movement and like mm-hmm. its organization and its sort of... Which is all sort of constructed, but... I mean, it's not quite as, like, seamless and polished as, obviously, the film presents it to be. Yeah. Um, but that was, yeah, he definitely wanted to uh, portray... Pre- he portrays vision, basically. Yeah, yeah, what he... Yeah, right, yeah, how he wants to be seen on the world stage and how he wants his own people to see him yeah. you know, as a powerful leader of of an adoring mm-hmm. nation, you know, that, that praises him as basically the second coming of Christ. I mean, that's, like, or, or like... Well, that's or whatever it. hero figure you want to look at, right? <laughs> like, or, or, you know... Some sort of like return to like the second coming of uh, Caesar, <laughs> right? Right, like the Reichs, right? And he talks about like that's why it's called the Third Reich is because you get like this second first with like the Roman Empire, and then he's seeing himself quite literally as like 
the savior. the return and like some sort of savior figure um, and a populist, mm-hmm. uh, which you can get good. I mean, Bernie Sanders is a populist. I mean, grassroots funding and all that, but it's just a, a Donald Trump too is a populist mm-hmm. um, playing into like obviously like the desires of people, which making America great again or whatever. Right, like getting to a roots or and that's exactly what. Not to, like, do the Trump-Hitler thing, but, like, because there's so many historical differences and differences. But just looking at, like, oh, he was very much, like, make Germany great again. Because it was about, you know, the... Well, they got after, fucked over. They got the, screwed after yeah. World War One. I. I mean, they need... I mean, yeah, it was, like, the whole, like, we're going to take all this from you. We're going to, like, punish you. and we're, You're going to have to pay back. Um, you know, all, all this stuff. And we had to learn the hard way. And then, obviously, you get to the, the Great Depression that hits. And then you get people that are desperate. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, but we don't have to dive into the history side yeah, of the whole much, history. but yeah. I mean, people have heard the whole thing <laughs> yeah. 20,000 times, but, and I'm no expert on it. But, um, but so Triumph of the Will was to reflect this idea of, okay, we can come back from this. Return to strength. Returning to yeah, strength. Yeah, returning yeah. to strength and like structure and uh, yeah, power, triumph. power, triumph, right. Tri- and tri- the title is right. Like it's all up to us just through our own personal strength we can get back to, like, our greatness. Like, not only our, like, greatness from 30 years ago, but, like, the Roman greatness, right? Like, the like the true, like, republics or empires, really, mm-hmm. depending on how you want to look at it. But, yeah. And um, so that's where kind of the, the battle between morality and aesthetic kind of comes in. And just based off of that idealism of this idea and turning mm-hmm. that, you know, that idea already has some moral standards that are, like, I mean, you can understand, okay, you want people to come back. You want, you want people to come back from a depression, right? Well, like, right, that's right, yeah, yeah. already morally, like, yeah, I get that. However, it's in a way that isn't portrayed in the film, where it is, you know, like, knocking down other uh, groups of people. Right, stepping on people to, and that, and to, the film sort of slides certain messages in there, because I think it, what was it made in 33? Um, I think, or 34, I want to say. Okay, that. so that was about, like, four years before, um, or five years before the invasion of Poland, right? I think that was 39. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so before the sort of invasion, before World War II kicks up and all that. Um, before we knew they were Nazis, you know? Right, before <laughs> Nazi became synonymous with, like, conquerors and, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, like, obvious. Yeah. Racist just seems like an underwhelming word. It's more than <laughs> that. It's beyond, like, racism. It's yeah, total, like, like... Supremacist. Yeah, supremacy. Elitist. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, so... I mean, so, yeah, so that's, like... And I think Hitler was very... He was very obsessed with image, like very, very obsessed, you know, like I mean if you think about it had it, to be seen in the most you know, he just wanted and so and he also had I don't know, I remember reading a little bit about him having like an affinity for Lenny, like as a like he kinda wanted to like bang her basically, you know, and so he oh, really? I think yeah, so. They had, yeah. he had like a crush on her and stuff like that too. So he thought, Well, what better way to like kill two birds at once? Like I can work with this girl I really like and 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 then there's the question so of which I think this is interesting, how much do you how much responsibility do you put on her? Is she just somebody, is she just an artist making her way? Like we were talking about with uh, Michelangelo. You know, right. She's like getting the funds. Did she really it. have a choice? I mean, when the government's coming, well, to, Hitler, I don't know enough about it. Yeah, so when, I, I can't like say, Like if the but, president asks you, or the dictator asks you, hey, can you make this film for me? It's like, how much of a, of a choice do you actually have to say? No? Right. Especially as a woman versus a man type of Especially, Yeah, you already have that other power dynamic yeah, going. Power and, dynamic. And, you know, and, you know, for her it was seen... But again, I mean, you can't totally exonerate her from responsibility because she, she still is like the mastermind behind basically bringing his like his self-image to fruition. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But so, so the way that she did it though is again where a little bit more of the of the um, the back and forth, the battle between art and morality comes in because 
of how well she did it, how innovative mm-hmm. she was, and how creative she was with it. Right? Yeah, right. Because it's something that, like, sorry, um, my film class showed it just because my professor thought it was important to see, like, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of them was the aesthetics of it were so pleasing. And it is. Like, you watch it, and it's, like, at least from, like, the 30s. I mean, you're getting all these super well, complex the 30s, camera moves, and you're getting, like, yeah, these beautiful tracking shots. put down, and, like, tracks to, to keep the, the, you know, through the whole city. To yeah. put the camera on, to slide it around. I mean, it's, and, it's crazy. Then they because had, like, she had 30 cameras funding, or something. Yeah. yeah. And they, they had a whole like, building, basically, like, a whole hotel, like, just for their base, and, like... That Hitler's like, okay, I'll get you a whole like a whole hotel to like stay in and stuff. So yeah, a whole town, like they were like, yeah. oh yeah, get all these people in on it too. Like they're all yeah. happy white people, like right, right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was like the that's when that's the sort of political power of a dictator is you don't have to. There's nobody who can say no to you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So you can do whatever you want, and you can have anything. And, 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 and like, you can have any art made for you, you know, and there was also propaganda going on. We had to watch propaganda being made by some great American directors because the government at the you know, at the administration, part of their works program was for arts and they were funding arts and movies were one of the things they were funding. But part of the deal was, you know, you, you also help use your services to help the government, which, you know, you could say was a good propaganda message because a lot of it was like, let's go kill you know, the bad guys, or let's go fight, and we need to be in this together, which is true, we had, in some sense, but, you know, it's also slipping in, it's definitely propaganda, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's showing, it's not mentioning the fact that, you know, there's still all the obvious tensions that come with being in this country back then, racial tensions, or, 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 you know, what, whatever tension, I mean, so it's still glossing over the realities mm-hmm. to say, well, we're all in this together, let's go beat the bad guy, but, there is a debate to be had about what is the utility of, I mean, the utility of propaganda is to get mass op- public opinion in your favor, right? And when, and depending on what that opinion is about, well, if it's stopping Nazis, are it's we okay with propaganda? Opinion. You know, but if it's, where is propaganda, quote unquote, okay, mm-hmm. if ever? Um, because, well, if everybody, you know, maybe if they didn't have that propaganda, nobody would have, now nah, I think people would have signed, I mean, there was a draft, <laughs> you didn't have a choice, but a part of that was keeping the morale high yeah. and keeping like... People wanting to, you're willing to. Willing to go, even if they were drafted, people were signing up, people even back home, you know, play your part, like, play your part and don't, you know, there's rationing, you know, we think about like COVID, you know, we're told, you know, like, you know, only buy one thing at Germany, so back then it was like, well, you can only have one think of this kind of food and that kind of thing. Because, you know, a lot of food was going to... Yeah, yeah. A lot of food was going to um, the soldiers and stuff. So, right. anyway, I mean, that's a bigger can of worms, I guess. Like, what, the utility... Not just the utility of propaganda, but well, where I mean, is the propaganda ethics... Propaganda is a big, a big part of art. You know what I mean? Because a lot of art is made, like we were talking about. In Especially nowadays, people want to push their agenda, their yeah. political agenda, too. Right, and right, that right. Is, is all political agenda pushing art. Is that all propaganda? Right, you could say even the stuff that I agree with, right? Say, like, we take some, like, some film that has very left-wing politics, right? I mean, I consider myself more left-wing, especially in today's context, maybe than I even did four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because I, I feel so distant from what right-wing right means right now i yeah. don't know if i'd ever be right well the, but, and the, and the meanings change all the time too that's yeah the, and yeah right and um so but anyway let's say let's take a film like where i really like but it has a very the left-wing message where maybe there's a lot of debatable points or or whatever it's not and, and is that a form of propaganda i mean i guess but or maybe it's just a form of somebody's certain particular truth that they're trying to expose to the world i mean right. i guess 
propaganda is more, and I don't know what the official definition according to Webster's would be, but it's like when maybe intentionally yeah, forming like something in a certain mm-hmm. way, knowing that it's not technically the truth, mm-hmm. right? Whatever that is, the truth. I mean, maybe it's, maybe, I don't know what, it's obviously used for political persuasion. It's art for political persuasion, I yeah. guess, would be the type. As opposed to presenting the dilemma, the dilemma, is that the right word? Dilemma, the, yeah. Dilemma, dilemma, the dilemma. The As Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama. <laughs> That it presents one, you know, it presents a conclusion, basically, mm-hmm. and just kind of wants you to think more about the conclusion than about the, the you know, the argument in the first place. Yeah, probably. So that that's why I guess would separate, like, maybe a film that's that's just has a certain leaning versus, like, straight up what you w- would call, like, propaganda from government, which I think that's the other important thing. Where is it coming from? True. That's, like, the intent, like, who is Who's the... Who is it being funded by? Who's it being funded by and how much control they have, really? Because, I mean, you can't just say, like, you know, automatically because anybody who ever made a film with the Weinstein Company, like, you can't, like, oh, that was all, you know, Weinstein having control over the message. And so, I mean, like, Paul Thomas Anderson, one of my favorite filmmakers, like, all of his films, he was, had a good working relationship with Harvey Weinstein. I don't, I have no clue how much he knew about what was going on, if he knew anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had total freedom over his films. But that, but there are other, so... You can't say, well, that's just Weinstein propaganda, right? I mean, just because it's funded. But yeah, right. I mean, if it's being funded by a religious institution or... Well, you look at, okay, this is, you know, you get into like... If you want to talk about the film industry, which is like something I just have a little more knowledge about than like, say, like art in the modern world, well, like visual art. But major and it was... You did like honors like film, dude. So like, I don't think any... I think you have a pretty... Right. So I feel bad because that's, I guess, the only thing I kind of come back to, but I just don't feel as comfortable, well, I guess, talking about... I mean, that's why like, I like talking about Right. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just stick with that. But I mean, you look at like something like the Hayes Code, which was enacted in, I think, 19... Oh, God. 30... I can't remember. I just had like 38. Maybe I'm, I'm probably wrong on that. But it was... Late in the 30s. I think it was in the late 30s, the Hayes Code, which was funded by the Catholic Church, very much. The um, William H. Hayes, the head of the Motion Picture Production... Um, Association of America, which basically was in like the board in charge of a lot of the major studios back then, which there was you know pretty much Paramount, Universal, the major ones that are still around. Um, but less there's lot there wasn't really an independent scene back then, just because it was so expensive to make movies, even more than it is today. Mm-hmm. We didn't have iPhones, obviously, blah blah all that stuff. But yeah. and it was yeah right, and it was you know so, but um, you know that was something that was pretty much you know banned the use of like implications where like you know men and women have a sex relationship or like interracial relationships or like mm-hmm. um like th- all these things right like a woman who's unwomanly like that was one of the rules basically right. and and so that was like a controlled so then again there were artists making movies who were trying to get their message through but there was limitations so that's which in some sense is maybe social propaganda like this is how the world is like the bad guy always gets punished the bad guy is very obvious the good guy is very obvious mm-hmm. like that's something very much about classic hollywood like yeah except when you're getting to like Especially noir westerns oh and right. noir you're right yeah. no well noir is more like you do get a little bit of like yeah and westerns too like who's the good western is very clear-cut good guy yeah bad guy. i feel like noir it i feel like it can be but it also draws a line because the well the, it makes the hero like the detective or whoever mm-hmm. always has those flaws the dark know? side the yeah dark the, side the, like in, within in, them which is obviously sort of carried out through the aesthetics of the film, 
this, you know, the inner world is reflected through the shadowy, rainy, bitter outer world, right? The bitter inner world is reflected through the the dreary setting. So, yeah, I mean, you're getting films that are still more ambiguous, but... But only in certain ways, only in the ways that like, and I, you know, it's, it's crazy what people would do to get around. And then you have obviously the blacklisted writers, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Hollywood 10, the writers that got called, you know, you have like the uh, McCarthy, you know, where they had to testify in front of Congress that they were communists or, you know, they knew they were writing communist propaganda or else they got And that was just based off of, you know. Total hysteria. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The government, you you can call somebody a communist and immediately they get blacklisted, whether they were promoting that image or not. Or maybe just some specific ideals from A liberal idea, right? That's all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden you're like artsy and weird so you're a communist. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, and that's tragic, but that happened a lot. And that, that's, I think... that was Whoa. later into the Hayes Code, but it's still... Because people are surprised when you watch films from the 20s. There are a lot of, like, mature th- themes going on. And and then, I mean, you get, like, what's her name? Bebop or Beboop, the cartoon. You know, the promiscuous... You've seen her with the red lipstick, kind of black hair yeah, and, like, the, you know, like the, the Harley Davidson girl? Or yeah, what? basically. And she... <laughs> I mean, they were, like... You know, there was a lot of mature themes and even some... I mean... Mickey Mouse, I think, was before it was kind yeah. of edgy. Or yeah, like, definitely. I mean, you get obviously stuff like, you know, you get like minstrel shows and the blackface and all that part of the film history, um, which of course is allowed to Unfortunate. Right, unfortunate. but it's, but no, but I mean, so it's, I don't well, know, you're wait, always so having this the constant... Code? Did you, did you define that one specifically? The Hayes Code? Yeah. So the Hayes Code was, sorry, yeah, it was like a set of rules that basically... That was in oh, it's all Hollywood all about, studios like, had to follow. Yeah, or else yeah. the scripts they always had to go through this the Oops. motion picture production, you know, producers association. So it was basically certain scripts would get blocked and say, unless you make these changes, you can't make this film. We're it's not like standards gonna... and practices, basically, an establishment of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's like a but code. Like, it's yeah, a, it's an ethics code. An ethics it's actually code. directly called an ethics code. Like <laughs> we don't, we're not allowed to do this, and it's. For the morality of the country was the reason, but again, well, what's interesting is well, I'm just going to bring up this little point yeah, that I wrote down is uh, that is very you know conservative in, in its yeah, way of thinking and keeping those things. But you also have to think that censorship is coming from the left as well, like at least nowadays. So you know yeah, nowadays so you yeah. have that it's that back and forth between the right saying okay we don't want to present all these ideals of you know. Um, like LGBTQ, we don't want to that mm-hmm. push that in people's faces. We don't want to push like anti-religious, like anarchist mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. all that. Whereas the leftists, is they, I mean, they're accepting of that stuff, but their stuff, you know, they don't accept stuff that's fully religious or stuff that's fully kind of, you know, there's art mm-hmm. again that it, it's not promoting the ideals of progressive, right. pro- progressivism or whatever. Right. You say. This is a really interesting. I mean, there's some sort of moral moral policing going on which again from both sides from both sides and i think it's it's more for me an urgent issue from the right right now and yeah. a lot of it even though i get frustrated and that's what we kind of just said it always changes it yeah and it's and it's it does the right a lot of the times has been the more like because the Hayes coach was religious so i was coming from the right and mm-hmm. you're getting but of course you get in the countries that are very i mean the ussr is something that was all leftist politics and they're the one of the most censored you know human rights abusing countries of all time but that's a power thing you know and of course, the pendulum analogy, right? You swing too far one way, you end up in the same spot. You know, you swing too far left, you end up right next to the guy who swung too far right, right? It's just extreme views. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing it, like, Miss, I don't know if you saw or, or watched Mr. Show, you know, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. And, yeah. like, they took down... The blackface. Which, black was, a, which was a skit 
making fun of the fact that black it was like it was like a anti-blackface skit that was using i mean keegan michael keels in the skit right so you have like black actor it's making fun of like i mean so it's getting so the lines are getting blurred a bit because they're like well is anything with blackface in it like no matter what it's saying about blackface not okay that's what they see and the irony i mean even uh what's the big movie the thunder um the one with oh, Robert Downey oh, Jr. Yeah. Right, where he's playing a character. He plays a black character, and they talk about how fucked up it is. Right, now. right. And it's, it's the same with the, you know, the, um, Ben Stiller playing the, the mentally challenged character. You know? Right, or and, like Bamboozled with Spike Lee film, which is all, you know, I mean, the cover is a guy in blackface. You yeah. know, so, but then people say, well, it's a black, you know, it's a black director, so it's okay for him to doing, be doing it. But, but I'm like, well, okay, wh- where's the line? Because, you know, with Mike Keegan-Michael Keel, he's in this sketch, so we have a black actor, but is it because Bob Odenkirk and David Cross are the writers? All the, even if they're on your side, even if they're yeah, they're on your side. That's that's the important. It's like it's always sunny has a black face in it. Well, I wonder if that's gonna get. And I feel like there's this. I think a lot of it is like what's called like. Oh, what is it called? It's like, and I see it a lot with like corporations. It's like posturing. It's like chauvinistic activism where they're worried about being called bigoted, right? The company is. They want to be on the right side of history, so to speak. So they're overreacting. I think that's happening a lot. Like, you're and getting Netflix. Right side of history meaning they want to make them more money. You know, they want to be as less controversial, kind of what we were talking about. Right. And, and maybe and maybe they are on the... Maybe it is right now. That's the moral issue that is better for the human race. Like, you know, closer, paying closer attention true, to... I, I mean, like you were saying, it's like... I mean, that's just kind of wiping out history, you know? You can't just erase history, you know? No, sure, sure, sure. But, what we, but like, say, like, the say right now what the what what's going on is, like, we need to be paying closer attention to black Ameri- oh, America's yeah. issues, right? I, I so, you know, people would say, well, that's not just a matter of opinion. Like, that is something we have been abusing for a long time. And so maybe Netflix, maybe genuinely they do want to be on the right. Maybe they do care about these issues. And maybe they actually do want to repre- be a company that... But then I feel like there's a, there's a moral confusion that enters the picture at some because point. of the money or because I don't know of if it's I, I do maybe they do have good intentions maybe they want maybe they do genuinely but I, it always seems a bit weird coming from a corporation right because you don't really ever know their intentions right? right are they really doing it because they care because to me canceling that episode doesn't really make any sense yeah because it's not it's not at all getting at and I understand you know they have the freedom Ultimately, they're a pro- they're a company. They're not the government, so they're allowed to put what they're what they want on there. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not like censorship in the sense of the First Amendment, like the government disallowing things. But at this point in America, there's a real debate to be had, like with like corporations have just as much power as the government, if not more. So yeah. where does the right? So I don't so, know. It's, well, always... it's like the skit is like you like you said. It's kind of in support. It's on the side. Of anti-racism, you know, right, right, it's exactly. Just like bringing it to light in it's a way. It's using satire. It's satire, satire. exactly. Yeah, it's, it's using. And so to pull that from, you know, whatever streaming site or whatever, like, you're kind of going, you know, you're doing it for the right, for the right sounding, seemingly reason, for the right. But reason, it's but honestly yeah. going against what the reason is is being stated. right. It's That's just being. Stated. I think it's like a more. It's part of a moral panic. I'm not saying this whole thing is. I think there are aspects of the certain th- reactions we're seeing that I would categorize from my perspective as a moral panic. I think there's mostly good things happening, but I think there's a lot of confusion going on. I think there's a lot of um but I think I do think we're moving the the ball in the right direction in a general sense. It's yeah. just always it's always going to be sloppy. There's mm-hmm. always going to be parts of it that don't that are like, "Well, it'd be better if that didn't happen," right? Right. You know, 
or it would be better if pe- these corporations weren't like misdirecting their energies mm-hmm. or like HBO like the Gone with the Wind thing was really silly to me did you see about yeah, that yeah they took it off HBO but they took it off for like a week more streams than and when, yeah when they yeah, brought it back they, all these things they bring it back and they're like we're gonna put a message at the beginning I'm like if people watching this movie really need HBO to tell them hey this is a movie from an older like <laughs> uh, more racist Hollywood there's gonna be depictions that aren't quite up to par especially in today's day and age which is good that we've made that progress but like people know that watching now you're going into 1939 but are they going to change yeah but are they going to is that person who truly doesn't know are they going to be changed by hbo taking it off their platform yeah that's to me i'm like so what are you really doing i think you're pissing off the people who you're already not going to change and to me that's that's a problem that's the question do you think they're not going to change i don't know but, if, a, but what's the ultimate goal here? If you put a, if you put like a title card at the beginning of the movie that says, "Hey everybody, this movie is a little like edgy. racist <laughs> and it's and it's depictions of black people." Yeah. Who are you really helping there, or who are you really educating? Because to me, anybody who lives in the modern world and is consuming art from the modern world is gonna see that like, oh yeah, like. But it has, and, and you know, but I don't obviously know. the I film think Gone has. with the Wind reaches a, a greater audience than the general person in the modern world that's consuming art. Because there's people like us that consume art all the time, but there's also people who are like, yeah, I watch a movie every now and now and again, you know. And Gone with the Wind is one of those big movies throughout time. You know what I mean? That's it's a sure. huge movie, so it's going to be reaching people who aren't typically used to that idea. You know, there are going to be people going Do you really that. think they're that naive though that they'd watch it and not realize like that there's like very like... You, I mean, have you ever talked to an older person before? Well, about, I know. Like, like they don't realize half of the shit that they say is But racist. my question again is is a title card at the beginning of that movie well, so going to really do anything? Well, from that point on, at the once that they start the movie with that title card, anytime that there's a, you know, a complication or a situation with a black person, they're going to be in like... They're gonna start questioning. Oh, what's racist about this? Like, why? Did, why would they think that? I hope. I mean, that that's. that's I, the hope, I hope right? you're right. I that's hope you're right. Hope. I mean, I hope you're right. But I, it's sad. I don't know. I guess it's just a sad place to be in that. Like, it's gonna take title cards at the beginning of movies to say like, "Hey, by the way, like this is a movie from 1939, and there are some pretty shaky depictions." Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense, shaky meaning like racist depictions or like stereotypes. Right stereotypes like bad, simplification, bad stereotypes. Right, 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 yeah. an oversimplification. But it's like you know, okay, are you gonna add a title card? I mean, that right now is obviously the hot button issue and an important issue. But no, it's also about like a wealthy society in the antebellum South. Is it gotta? Is it gonna add a title card like this? Is not how all like white men live. Like because it's like a rich guy and a huge man. I don't know. Like it's the whole movie. That's fair. No, now that, again, that that's not fair. as important of a point. So I get that the racial aspect is the bigger point here. I don't mean to seem naive about that. But my question but is in just the future, like it might not be. Maybe it, it might be the opposite. Like you said, like the opposite way of the pendulum. And then are they gonna have to add the, at that point add that that title card that says this is not how? Yeah, how and I just when you have a historical lens on stuff like well, what are we gonna again? Here's now here's here's a hot button issue. It's like it's like the Confederate statue thing. Like tearing down statues has always been a part of history, and when it doesn't represent your like side, I understand it. And now, like now, when we're talking about the question of like whether they should be destroyed or put in a museum, that to me is a different question because putting something in a museum, even Obama on this point said, "Well, we shouldn't ever destroy history. We should just maybe, well, when you're putting a statue in the middle of a black majority city of a Confederate general, Mm -hmm. that is whether you." 
no matter what argument or that's a statement it's Mm -hmm. it's almost an intimidation thing in some ways i mean imagine and even if it's not meant as a statement it's going to be taken as a statement. well yeah i mean imagine you're like walking you know your black parent you're like hey and the kid's like who's this person that is like statues are meant to honor and make heroes of you know they're made for that's yeah yeah that's what they're so any other argument is that's what they're made for they're made to look heroic and like and to be like, this is somebody we value in this part of the country, right? In this, in our society. But what is that black parent? This is somebody who, for whatever the reasons, whether it was honor or whether they were truly a racist, whatever reasons they fought, right? Whatever reasons they were a general, at the end of the day, it was a war fought over, over slaves, over the right to own slaves, mm-hmm. you know, over like states' right, the states' rights to own slaves. I mean, <laughs> we can say it's about state rights, but it, that yeah. was, it's not about, it was about, the federal government saying, no, it's not okay to own slaves, and states going, we want to own slaves. So I understand tearing down, and I, I used to be a little more shaky. like, again, I just feel like if that's the people in that city feel that that's what they need to do, I mean, I, I, I get it. I guess I get it. I, I get it. And that, so that's another thing where it's art, right? That is an art. That's an aesthetics thing and an ethics thing mm-hmm. coming head to head. But to be able to put that in a museum is almost like, it's not like we have statues of like the, the Nazis or Hitler out anywhere, but they're in a museum, the Holocaust right. museum. To right, be exactly. Able to be like, okay. To put in context, mm-hmm. to know like, and I think that's important. That's the important part with all right. art is yes. putting it into context. And I think when you have, and I think that's the problem with the argument of like, you're destroying history by tearing down this thing. Cause I think it's like initially you're like, well, I guess in some sense, maybe they're right. Like they're tearing down this thing that was built during a certain time. I'm like, yeah, but you don't say, oh, we should build statues of Hitler because of history. Yeah. No, no, no. We say we should understand what Hitler did and we should have... Statues were built of Hitler. Right. <laughs> because they... Because of what... Right, exactly. And we have to understand, like... Why they were built. Yeah, and when you dig more into this, there's certain statues that are built in black, intentionally in black neighborhoods and, and really weird stuff, you know? I mean, there is, you know... I mean, it's obviously... Have you heard what's going on with, like, Bubba Watson? I think... Oh, Bubba... Oh, is that his name, Bubba Watson? Bubba something, I feel bad. NAS, he's the only black NASCAR driver. Mm. And you know that NASCAR just recently banned the Confederate flag from their races. I don't right. know if you heard about that. Um, but he was part of the reason. He was like, look, you know, I love this sport and I, I love my southern heritage and I love my culture for a lot of reasons. But that's one thing that does, that just represents something that's very, well, violent towards my skin. You know, yeah. and he's like, and it sometimes makes me very uncomfortable to know that there's a bunch of people in the crowd flying these things. And he was, and NASCAR listened to him and rightfully, I think, did a good thing about banning them at their events. That's their right. They're not banning the sale. You know, we, just like in the way that you can't fly a swastika in Germany, you can't even buy a swastika. You know, you can't even produce, you can't even salute or you go to jail, right? You can't mm-hmm. even do a salute. Um, and, um, you know, and then there was somebody recently, um, after that happened, he found a noose hanging in his, like, garage. Like, some person's not getting Jesus. hung a noose. like. That's like directly a. Now that was one person who did that, so you can't say every NASCAR fan's ready to like lynch Bubba Watson. Mm-hmm. But it's scary to know that that's like Some obviously <laughs> right, and that's that's fucking why the Confederate flag's being banned, you dumbasses, because you're still behaving like that, like because yeah. you're still because you can't you can say it's your heritage, you can say all these things, but it was a flag that was created to fight a war and mm-hmm. to fight and to represent. You a can't handle thing. closeting your racism. Is really what at it least is. admit it, right? Yeah. I mean, at least just be at least just be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're really a racist, you know, and and at least just fucking own up to it because and, then and don't do it in a way that's harmful to anybody else. Well, right, right, right. How, <laughs> well, that's the right. How how much is ra- racism harmless, right? Because even if you're not going out and 
even interacting with any black person, you're still voting for a certain type of politician, right? You're still voting for yeah. people who will work more for one group than the other group. So anyway, to bring it, but I guess to bring it back to like the art and aesthetics thing, like the statues is a good, or, or a, a, aesthetics and ethics. The statues is a perfect example of that going on right now. Like, and that's a different form of art, right? It's art that's, again, more like political. So you get political art that's very much... You know, there's there's all different faucets of art. So I mean, the triumph of the will was obviously very political. Political right? art, like political yeah. propaganda, and you could say statues in a sense are propaganda, right? Mm-hmm. It's a form so of propaganda. So do you consider like Stan Lee movies, like Black Klansman, or Do the Right Thing, or uh, Spike Lee? The Five Blood. Is that what I said? That's you said Stan, who I think Stan is Lee. the Marvel guy. That's right? the Marvel. Yeah, Spike. Yeah. Lee. That's funny. I always get Spike Jones. Spike mm-hmm. Lee. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Lee. Uh, yeah. The Lee's. The, the Stans and the, spikes. And the Lee's. Yeah, the, and spikes, the spikes. The Spikes and the Lee's. Um, but yeah, so do you think Spike Lee's are considered propaganda? No, but I mean, I mean, well, I mean, because no, they because, are all very racially charged. Movies. Right, but people, you can make the argument that that's that these are actual issues, though. They're not like they're not like propaganda Political. in the sense that they're that they're like faking that they're like sort of. Mm-hmm. That's what I like because they are based off of fact and truth and history. Like yeah, and, and like a rate. Yeah, and like a and a, like a cultural. And then you truth. get to decide how you feel about. Right. It. So I mean, I mean, maybe somebody could. I don't want to say on like on wax. Like, yeah, Spike Lee makes propaganda. I mean, I guess in some sense he's trying. Yeah, he's trying to get a message. Again, it's just it depends on how we define propaganda. Mm-hmm. He's obviously pushing a political message, but that doesn't inherently make something, um, like. Wrong. Uh, I think some people hear the word political and they think, oh, it's all the, oh, you can't trust it. I'm like, no, well, there, politics, there are better, there are just, there are politics that are closer to the, 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 like the, the unsolved problems of certain peoples. Like, that is hopefully what politics is doing is to help certain people. Yeah. But well, unfortunately, it, it gets so, the lines get so blurred and this side says you can't trust anything that side does and that side says you can't trust this side, you know, and yeah. it's, uh, and that's, that's never going to end. That's just politics. I think, but yeah, and I think the the literal definition of politics is just belief. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like involvement in government or anything, mm-hmm. which is what it's kind of connotated. So everything is political, right? That's right. a phrase that I kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. Like, so I would say that his art is political, but yes. it's not propaganda. Because I think it's important. Well, here, let's just for just for the hell of it, let me look up like the actual like definition of what is considered propaganda mm-hmm. information. Okay, so this is the pro- problem, especially of a biased or misleading nature. Okay. So that is the key phrase. Like I think again, it's biased like or misleading. used to promote or publicize a particular political cause. So that would be the argument against Spike Lee. Like, no, he. This isn't. I mean, yeah, everybody's biased. Whatever that word is, kind of silly, because everybody's life is their own life. So it's biased against another person's experience. But misleading, right? Misleading, I think, is a better word. Like, it's it's using. It's claiming certain things to be true that just actually aren't. Mm-hmm. You could say the experience of like Spike Lee's representation of the experience of a Black American, whether it's like a female Black American, a male Black American, uh, an inner city Black American, or whatever. All the different types of Black people he have, he has had in his movies. They're probably not misleading. No, I mean he's. You would have to put trust. I mean, I haven't read all the critical reviews from. <laughs> I would. It would have to for me come from other Black Americans because if I can't. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Not that that totally. There are black, myself and black Americans who have very similar life experiences with certain aspects of life and others I just wouldn't because if they're racial experiences, I wouldn't know. Right. I wouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. So in the fact that Spike Lee's, so I'm not saying you can't find common ground in like watching a Spike Lee movie as a white person. The great thing about his movies is they are, they're watched by a lot of white people and yeah. I think that they can be very, 
It's I mean, they're educating. Yeah, I mean, they're educational, and he's 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 very like he's very nuanced in how he like approaches these topics, which is I think, you know, what one of his why he's so brilliant. Yeah. In a lot of ways, and I haven't watched his whole every movie he's made, but I'm working through him, and you know, so you can still have critiques of the guy. I mean, not be a racist, right? You can yeah. still say, well, I think that was like oversimplifying this point, or that. But that's natural with any topic. You're gonna get, you know. That's just yeah. natural with any topic. Yeah, so. and you, I mean, you can't make everything perfectly, right? Like, I mean, obviously, there's going to be some flaws to whatever mm-hmm. piece of art, or people are going to find flaws, at least, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I, I get where you're coming with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of... Uh, I think we di- dove into that topic uh, pr- pretty deeply mm-hmm. here. Uh, I do kind of want to get some, back to something you said about, um, like, you were talking about Gone with the Wind, and it was like, uh, you know, leading these people. Is that really going to change people's mm-hmm. mind? I think that goes along with the idea of enlightenment, right? Enlightenment is the idea. Kant wrote about the idea of enlightenment as something that, you know, there was the age of enlightenment, but that doesn't mean everybody during that time mm-hmm. period was enlightened. Right. That just means enlightenment was easier to access. You know, it's mm-hmm. easier to come across that. So I think there's a point. He wrote that because not everybody is going to become enlightened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be like the consumerist mindset people and then there's always going to be the individualistic mindset mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and then both of those sides are always going to be swayed by one way or the other. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pipe dream to think that, doesn't mean you shouldn't try, but just to think that you're going to like get all of society woke or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, or light. That's the modern word that's <laughs> used as enlightened even though some people Whoa. that use that word I don't think are as enlightened as they think they are. <laughs> but at least they might be politically enlightened but not emotionally, you know, stunted or say. And that's savage. interesting too, because you can be not intelligent but you can still be enlightened. Or right, you can yeah. be extremely intelligent and not but be a bigot, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, or use that in a bad way and yeah, it's definitely because that's the difference in I think intellectualism and in moral moralism or morals like morality, I guess would be the word. <laughs> intellectualism and morality don't always you have to work really hard to to get those things to like hold hands Mm -hmm. it's not yeah it's automatic and it's not like right i don't know so do you think there is a way that's what i was kind of having this conversation with my dad a couple weeks ago when all this stuff started it was like uh the idea of our of all the mediums accessible and the technology that we have nowadays like little kids and even like poor people homeless people have Mm -hmm. phones and everything Mm -hmm. now it's like do you think all this access to, you know, it's the idea of leading a horse to water, mm. and you can't make them drink, right? That's, yeah, yeah. But if you lead more horses, you know, if more people have access mm-hmm. to the idea of becoming more water, do you, yeah, do you think more that, horses are going to end up Yeah, and, and if, you know, you see other horses drinking this water, other horses are going to be like, what are they doing? Well, the like? problem with that, I guess the analogy would be that not all the water is good water in today, right? So I think that's, that's the problem. I think the problem you're get, we're getting into is... Now it's like, okay, okay, so it's like all of a sudden we have all this access and we can find truth, right, in some sense, whatever that, whatever topic you're talking about truth and like within, but it's also a lot of misinformation and disinformation, right, misinformation being accidental, wrong information, unfactual, and disinformation basically being propaganda, right, intentionally using, you know, fake information or unfactual information to mislead people Mm -hmm. and people fall trapped to that like i see like the older generation on my facebook so my my grand you know like i don't know certain people i won't mention i guess but it's like like if i name well right well but it's like you know and she's tweeting all these things like or like reposting all these things that for me like 
are so obviously disinformation. Like yeah. it's very cheaply made. You know, it's it's like it's playing upon her religious beliefs to make her like think that she's being attacked or oppressed or whatever. And yeah, and that that's part of the same thing because, and it's sort of re. I think that the internet, in some sense holds the ability to change people's minds and of course we won't ever know how much it does that for the good but it also reinforces a ton of your own beliefs or it, it right i mean it literally does that through advertisement i mean it hears what we talk about it knows what we like so it reinforces our our consumer beliefs our mm-hmm. consumer interests and then it reinforces you know it can re it just reinforces a lot of stuff so i don't know how much i don't know that's something i guess time will tell like how much good it's doing you mm-hmm. know as opposed to you would think that the humanist in me would, you know, think, yeah, it would be a good thing because people are going to find, like, the good part of people are going to come out more. But I just don't know. I mean, people are more savage on social media. You know, you get a lot of hate. You get a lot of anger yeah. that spreads faster. And maybe some of that anger is justified, but I don't, I don't think all of it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think all of the, like, sort of patronizing tone a lot of, like, people take nowadays, especially the young people. This is a generalization. It's not all young people. But the ones that are the loudest, you know, on social media, a lot are very usually, you know, patronizing. Or if you don't know this, then like, you know, unfriend me or if you believe this, like, there's no possible conversation we can have, right? And that to me is concerning. That to me is concerning. Because I think people hear when you say like, was there not a conversation to be had here? And they go, no, you're just being racist by saying that. Like, you don't understand the issue enough. Yeah. I think that... Even if they are right, mm-hmm. that's a that's a deeper problem because once we're well, once we're just we're doing the opposite. We're still shutting voices down, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the real way to me to persuade people, what always persuades me the most, and what I've seen persuade other people is kindness first, mm-hmm. treating other person, even if you just truly disagree with them, you have to treat them with kindness and and show them why they're wrong in a kind way, right? If you really know that you're like that, they're misinformed, right? Mm-hmm. And I've found this in my own life, like, I'm, not, I'm still working on it, where I get upset with somebody or frustrated about a political point, and I'm like, wow, you know, I want to shake them, right? Like, I get angry, you get angry, that's your first response, because you feel... Aggressive, you feel... Outraged. Like, yeah, you feel outraged. Fight or flight, they triggered that somehow? Just yeah, by, so, like, pissing you off? Right, it, literally, though, yeah. your heart starts going, and it's like... And you, you know, so I understand the anger, but it never really persuades anybody. It, it makes them feel more justified in not liking your cause, because they're like, well you know, fuck you then. If you're going to yeah. be that mean about it, why would I even want to like be on your side? You know, yeah. and I think people truly forget like that, that, and that's, that's a universal. I don't care who you are. Like nobody likes being yelled at or like screamed at. It doesn't matter how many facts or like whatever wokeness you throw at them. Nobody really likes to be screamed at, you yeah, know, which is something that both sides could take uh, heat of. You know? Right, right. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, I mean, you just got to criticize, I guess you got to call it's it more out about the con- it. But no, but, but it's about the conversation that, that follows after you pass that aggressive stage. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's learning to maintain that aggression mm-hmm. and that anger and being like, okay, listen, no, 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 listen, listen. I knew you, I know you were grown, mm-hmm. you know, you were born, you know, in Pennsylvania around white people all over yeah, the place yeah. in Amish. But, however, there were people who weren't born. Right, right. <laughs> born there, you and so you have to try to, yeah, and I mean, right. it's true. I mean, yeah. it's without, without people in my own life, you know, that you're going to differ from people. I mean, if we got down to the bottom of it, I'd differ from you in certain things. I differ from the person out there on certain things. I mean, you're just going to, you're never going to, it's probably a problem if you agreed too much with the people around you, I think. It, 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 that would be a problem, you know, that's where you get an echo chamber, which yeah. a lot of social media is an echo chamber. I mean, that is like, and our brains like that because it reinforces our 
our beliefs. And we do it all the time, and we do it with non-political stuff. It's life. We have these biases, and thousands of neuroscientific papers have shown that, you know, we are every single person, doesn't matter how smart you are or whatever, is susceptible to falling into their own biases. You know, it's just how our brains work. So you have to fight. Everybody. <clears throat> you have to actively fight against them. And th even then, you're very unsuccessful. But... And I think that's what gives people rage is when they feel like they're so, they found the answer so clearly and maybe they do know the experience and they keep getting told by people, oh, you're, you're wrong or you're like, I understand the anger so I sympathize with it but at the same time I ultimately just don't think it's the right way to talk to people. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't know what it's going to, I don't know who it's going to persuade, you know. Yeah, and, and when you put it in it's, layman's terms, you want to be like, oh yeah, you want to be like, you want to lean with the good and lead with that and yeah, talk yeah. with that. But right. When it comes down to it, it's a lot more complicated than fear and love or whatever. You know? Right, it is. And I think, like, I don't know. And and I, I heard people say, you know, well, why would I? I don't want to persuade people who are, I don't want to, I'm like, well, that that's a problem because at the end of the day, if we're talking about politics and getting political change made, that has to do with who we elect, right? And if you want to have certain people, that's just the system we live in. And I don't know a better one. Democracy is the best of the worst. It's the best, to me, of the worst systems we have. I mean, we don't have another option, right? I mean, we have to... What do you want to do? Right? I mean, yeah. we have to have... That's uh, we have, have to have somebody in charge. Right. I mean, we can't... I don't trust this country to do, like, what it's called, true democracy or whatever. I forget the, the more... The technical term for it, but where you vote on literally every law and every issue. Nobody in this country would do that. You Nobody yeah. knows how many things. That would be ideal. Again, that's ideal. That's great. There's 330 million people. Only a third of people vote to begin with that can vote, and that's already a sad enough stat. Mm -hmm. But... And I understand... Anyway, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I just don't I don't buy the whole well, like there's no need in persuading people. I'm like, well, what do you mean there isn't any? These problems aren't going to go away if we keep having racists around, right? If we keep having these people that you're against, you're going to have to try to persuade them or at least get your side stronger because otherwise nothing's going to change. Mm -hmm. And I guess I don't know. That's frustrating because and I, it's definitely and I've heard it's people very much a young that have voted right, but are like. Yeah, I would vote left if the left would just get their shit together, <laughs> you know? What right, I mean? and I think, yeah, I I guess in some sense, you know, I understand. Because I, I, I think they're... Well, that's true. I mean, I've said this before, like, um, to people. I'm like, well, you know, as much as I despise the right right now, they, they get behind... And this is, not, this is a problem, but they're blind. They follow their leader. Like, they just throw all their previous beliefs about small government, this, that, and the other, out the window, and just get behind. They band up, and they work as a group really well, dangerously well, I would argue, <laughs> whereas the left often eats itself alive. And I understand that's because there's, I think, a genuine effort on the left to, like, find the correct position. But at some level, you're just going to have to accept that, like, okay, Bernie Sanders is the nominee or whatever, you know, like, yeah. well, this is better. I mean, again, it's, I mean, that's just how I'm going to say it's a presidential thing or whatever, like, and I understand you're never going to get a perfect candidate, I feel like. And, you know, it's like, you're going to have to ultimately weigh, like, who's going to do more for the issues I care about? You know what I mean? And, like, mm -hmm. but it is, a, I mean, it's partially a problem. I definitely see it on the left, and it's, they got to be less cancel-y to each other. You know, <laughs> I think that's the problem. Whereas, the, I think the problem on the right is totally like a, is like a, is like they're all, like, sheep, and they follow, like, oh, yeah. they're, they're very sheepish. Where the left always wants to be right and correct on like against each other even yeah and I like think so individualistic that they're to a fault yeah to fault. like a, and I don't know because it's hard to say that because I don't want to sound like I'm promoting like well just over like you know don't well, be nuanced no. but it's yeah, like no, don't it's be good cruel, to, to try to follow the right thing but at some point you have to create that moral standard which is that's where the line becomes hard to follow yeah yeah and that's you know bringing back to it that's where like art 
is like if we have censored art, you got to be, you have to, you know, factor in that the sheep, the the consumer's mindset are just gonna see that and be like, oh yeah, this is yeah, yeah this makes sense to me. This is all good. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the other side is just gonna look at it and they're gonna be like, well, you know, maybe that's not what I believe, or maybe that's yeah. that doesn't line up with something that I yeah. would follow. I guess there's a lot of the thing we need to do is we need to trust. I think something that's been lost. And this is a very general statement, but is a trust in experts. And that's whether it's scientific experts, medical experts, or cultural experts. So I think that can be a thing, right? Like, we need to trust that, you know, this, say, take like a film made by a black filmmaker that's very, to some white people, controversial, right? Because it cause, well, it condemns white people for certain things, right? Or calls them out. We need to trust that they're not just doing that for some political point, that that is genuinely a representation of their lives and like some of the problem mm-hmm. challenges they face. Like you need to trust and now I'm not saying again blindly, but exactly. why, why wouldn't you trust? You blindly trust other topics in film for the entertainment, you know, or for whatever. But yeah. I don't know. I, I've noticed that a lot. Like it's this thing where it's like certain topics are taboo for certain people to watch. Like, well, I don't like watching that because it's political. I'm like, well, it's political in a way that you don't agree with. Yeah. It's not because it's political. You'll watch something else that to me seems political in your direction, yeah. you know, but I, you don't, it's just, I, we have to admit our own mm-hmm. biases, so it, you know. Yeah, I guess you, it goes back to that same point. Admitting your biases yeah. and being able to accept that there's geniuses that have opposite opinions than you do. You know, yeah. you have experts that, you know, like truth is, uh, truth is, is biased a lot yeah. of the time. Truth is subjective. Yeah, yeah. But so, yeah. what my question is, is artistic geniuses? Do you think that they, like Mozart? You know what I mean? Like he got his, like no, nobody knows where his genius came from, right? It just was kind of inherent genius, right? Right, right. Artistic genius, and there's you know Beethoven. Um, I mean, Scorsese, debatably. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, there's just debate, like throughout yeah. time, there's there's these geniuses, and it's like. Where morally do we feel like are they getting their genius from some sort of higher power or are they doing it just based off of their experiences and should we admit it as subjective? You know, like should we look at the the art that they create and think, wow, this thing, no matter what, like this thing is something. Oh, definitely not. I mean, you can still be a genius and be like a total dick, right? I mean, you could still be a genius just means maybe you're especially talented in one specific area. Right. But life is obviously a lot more areas than one area. You know, so it's like... Yeah, that's fair. So that, I guess, is the problem with, like, you, you know, you can't blindly follow anything. I mean, the reason people are called geniuses, though, is generally because they connect with a lot of people, right? They, they tap into something deeper and express something that we all can... that we all relate to, but nobody else seemed to be able to express. Mm. That... So, in some sense, you know... There's a, there, it's stating the obvious, but they're a g- genius for a reason that relates very closely to like people's enjoyment of their work and like and just the technical aspects of their work, right? Um, but like whether it be creating new musical technique or being new, like doing more visually interesting things if you're a filmmaker or whatever. Um, I don't know. So just, in terms of where that one... comes from, who knows? I mean, that that's just you're lucky, I guess, to be. I don't know, there are people, stories of people who just work harder and end up being like a super nerd and become what people call a genius. Cause, but I, I'm like, is that really like, or there's like the child prodigies like Mozart where like they seem to have it their whole life. It wasn't something they really honed as a skill. It was yeah. something that, that they just really had an alphabet. And of course they obviously worked and stuff at it. But, mm-hmm. you know, like people like, I'll take like a jazz musician like John Coltrane, like people call him a genius. And I love John Coltrane, but he was somebody who was definitely... 
he was started his career as like an average, still obviously a great sax player because he was in the jazz scene, but he was considered just an average, you know, saxophonist in the jazz scene. He wasn't he wasn't John Coltrane, the greatest sax player to ever live. He was just an average guy who was developing his style. But apparently, you know, I watched a doc on him and he was just obsessive and he would practice all the time and he was like get into music theory. And he's somebody who sort of created his own genius, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like there are other jazz artists who take somebody like Thelonious Monk who seemed to have never, you know, never officially diagnosed, but he had like, maybe had a form of Asperger's or something. And that was, is his genius somehow linked to his like mental disorder. And that's something you see very frequently is like, which shouldn't be romanticized. I mean, like you shouldn't want to have a mental disorder. So you're (laughs) a genius. Cause I think everybody has a mental disorder in some sense. And most of us aren't geniuses, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, that, those are big, I mean, who, I, you know, certainly a lot of people talk about the muse, you know, like, Oh, I, I feel inspiration come from outside of myself. And, a lot of geniuses talk about that. Like, they don't feel like it's something they've created, right? They feel like it's something that's, like... They channeled. Give, yeah, channeled or given to them by... Maybe a higher power is a weird way of putting it. Maybe it's not. But, like, yeah, by something else, right? By right. something outside of yourself. Yeah. By something that is deeper than you, even. Like, you are a vessel for this thing. Yeah. Which, um, anybody can feel that. I mean, anybody has streaks of inspiration. I'm sure you've had moments in life where you just had this idea that seems to come out of nowhere, right? right? It seems to be like, I mean, it's yours, but it, you can't fully take credit for it. In some <laughs> sense, you're like, I just, I don't know. It just There's came to me. Yeah, a dream, yeah, even dreams, right? Dreams are, maybe that is your brain, but it's not your conscious brain that yeah. made you think of that. So it's definitely, uh, I don't know. It's a very, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's a big is it question. Some, yeah, and so that's what I kind of wanted to come back to. Is it something that we should value as something that we should follow? Like, more, yeah. morally. Morally, I don't, it because, I don't know. because, yeah. I mean, because I guess that depends. I guess it depends on how moral their art is. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, like, how concerned is it with, like, the modern morality. Where, you know, it's something like... Something like the Irishman. Say, just take Scorsese's these plays from. It's not dealing with... It's not really dealing with race issues. It's not at all, really. I mean, it's dealing with one guy... A very specific character's life of, of like violence and regret and and you know sort of like honor and all that it's dealing with i mean so i mean you know it's not a movie that's like like a spike lee movie that's very say politically charged and very translates very directly to our current social issues you know what i mean so it's a different kind of art i mean it's just a different so i don't know i mean should we respect geniuses yes even if we i mean of course we should respect if you of course some people might not consider them a genius but we should respect people who in general seem to strike a chord deep into people we should be like oh that's why is this person considered a genius? Like, maybe I'm in a, maybe you don't get it. Maybe, you know, it's like, take a close look at yourself. Like, am I not getting something here? Right. But I mean, no, I mean, don't, bl- I mean. But don't blindly follow whatever they say because they're only yeah. a genius in that one aspect. Yeah, I mean, geniuses can still make terrible mistakes, right? <laughs> or like, do, do fucked up shit, so. Yeah. I mean, Newton, right, he's a mathematical genius, but apparently he was just a total dick too, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, but he had a problem. I mean, he was, you know, you know, he was in book. So, Even I mean, like Louis C.K., you know? Well, yeah, sure, Like an sure. amazing comedian. Right. Like, awesome. Like, raised the bar for a lot of people. Definitely. And yeah. then jerks off on a lot of people as well. Right, and that's, and then you take, you're right, exactly. So, I mean, you can talk about people being business geniuses, but that's, that means they're, they could be ethical morons at the yeah. same time, you know? So, whereas CK, I mean, I don't know, that that's where the... Yeah, I guess that's the point of this. It's all these things are so complicated. Yeah, and, and yeah, I guess CK is not. Let's say like uh, what, Kevin Spacey. Like right. as an actor, everybody like loved him as an actor right. because yeah. he channeled something. Right? right, he was very good at what he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, 
very creepy guy. <laughs> right, he like fucking sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. you know. And, and so, so the question is, are you supporting that person? Should well, you? this is the question. So yeah, well, I guess what you're okay. So here's the age of okay. So the question we're really getting into is, can you separate the art from the artist? Mm-hmm. Which I think, I don't know. You can. I think it depends on what you're getting out of the art. I mean, am I gonna never? I just am I never gonna watch American Beauty or or Seven again because Kevin Spacey's in it? No, I, I mean, I'll watch it again because there's a lot going on there. There's a great director behind the helm. There's a lot of stuff. You know, there's like a lot of stuff for me that I'm getting value of that has nothing to do with his sexual right. assault. And I don't know, like it's the argument of like, and some people say, well, you're supporting him. Like, but how, how am I really, even if somehow five pennies go to him from me watching it, how am I really supporting sexual assault by watching a movie that has nothing to do with, with his sexual, sexual assault? assault. Right, yeah. you know, and I, I don't know. So it's, that to me, I think you can separate. Now, if the art is like now, American Beauty actually is a very interesting case, just because uh, the, the topic of it is very specific. So he didn't write the script, but okay, right. that, that that definitely is a more gray zone because it's an under now it's an underage girl instead of an underage guy, mm-hmm. which was the case he got to. But it's still like, but in that it's also consensual. Mm-hmm. But how consensual? Is really, it really, is it? She's so young. Yeah, she's so but young. But the age of consent is 16, so at some level we do have to draw the line and say, well, that's legally... Mm-hmm. I don't know, I mean, but that's all, that's all, like, there's nothing that's written in stone. That's why it's an age-old question. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know, I mean, how do you, I mean, I guess you're, I, I mean, I, I feel like I can in most cases. Now, somebody like, you know, I think talk ideally, about X. This is my yeah. opinion on it. I yeah. just think ideally... Yes, there should be a protected space where we don't judge based off of morals. And that's what we were talking about before, putting things in context. If mm-hmm. they were in a protected space, then yes, we could put them in context and realize, yes, Kevin Spacey is a pervert. However, this thing is a work of art. You can learn a lot from it, you know? Yeah. However, yeah. that protected space is ideal. And we don't have an ideal society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just, I, you mm-hmm. know, that's where the conflict really comes in, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think most people do do separate the art from it. Even if they don't know, like, how many movies right now are we watching with perverts that we don't even know? Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. I mean, we don't know. True. Yeah. When we go into a theater, we're watching characters. We're watching people who can channel characters. So we're not really watching them. Right. I mean, we're watching Brad Pitt, who, by <laughs> the way, by all measures, seems to be a really good dude. I like um, And Not only in his, his, like, I just, he... He is time and time again in every way. Like I really end up liking his, him as a person. He's just, yeah. I don't know. I just keep seeing shit that makes me like him more. I love his company by the way. Plan and he's very very attractive. And he's beautiful. He's and he's a good beautiful. actor. Yeah. And uh and he yeah and he's but he has a plan. His production company is called Plan B Productions, and he funds like a lot of really socially like important movies and low budget movies. And he's like dedicated his wow. own money to that, which is so cool that because that's a huge movie star. He, you know, he doesn't need the help. Yeah. And he, like, produced 12 Years a Slave. He produced... Really? Um, he was, like, part of the funding for that. Yeah, he was a big part of the, getting that movie off yeah, the ground. Yeah, he's a big producer. And that he was, was in it, too. But he also produced Last Black Man in San Francisco <laughs> with... um. Have you seen that movie yet? Uh-huh. Watch, it's very good. It's produced by A24, and I love a lot of what A24 and, and A24 movies, every single yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't... Do you ever read it? Uh, yeah. You should follow the subreddit, A24. A24? Yeah. It's, right, it's just, like, a circle that. jerk about A24. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. But anyway, watch Last Black Man in San Francisco. Talk about, like, politically pertinent movies. It's very good. It's very... But it's really well... That's the thing. Ironically, a lot of these movies that get hailed as, like, being very political often are made very well. Very because well. And that shows that the person creating it deeply cares about the subject and mm-hmm. is probably not bullshitting about right. it. You know, they're they're getting to the heart of the matter. You know, in some sense, they're getting to the truth of the matter. And um, But anyway, anyway, sorry, get off on the Brad Pitt tangent. But uh, <laughs> no, but I guess what I'm saying is 
there's we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to buy you know a pop or beer from some guy who probably who knows we can't what avoid people yeah. who've done you know we can't there's in this life the, I mean, cancel everybody who's done something bad I mean yeah. that's just not gonna work I mean that's not the world we live in and we can we can make an effort to preventing that and and condemning it but and condemning it right but in the end half the people are probably going to be good and half the people are probably going to be bad. I don't and know what if is it's even, exactly 50-50. Yeah. And what is even good and bad? I mean, yeah, exactly. Really, I mean, we've all done things that I would rather not people know. Right. I mean, I wouldn't want everything I've ever or said. Or thought be, things. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, where does, where does true responsibility come in? <laughs> um, is it... When, uh, so time check. Where does true responsibility come in? Is it because everybody has intrusive thoughts? I have fucked up thoughts sometimes. Like, oh, yeah. If you're lying, if you say you don't, I mean, and what about that dream you had that where you did that really messed up thing? Well, that was just, I couldn't help that. I mean, you know, where does personal responsibility really come in? And obviously right. thoughts and dreams are separate from actions. I think that's where the line really obviously be- begins to become, Yeah. you know, thinking about, say, if you're somebody who struggles with like pedophilic thoughts, mm-hmm. like, are you a pedophile just because you think it? Or what do you think they've been told that? I would say no. I would say you're a pedophile as soon as you begin to act that out. You know, and that's because that's when you're actually harming somebody. That's when you're actually like stepping. But into to say that to be like, oh, you have pedophilic thoughts, but you're okay as long as you don't act on it. That's condemned by people. Yeah, we, but I understand. But what are you gonna do if these thoughts are on? I mean, yeah, try to stop them. I mean, use like I mean, I would say try to fight against them, but <laughs> you can't act like it's that easy. For I'm not even okay. We don't have to limit to like pedophilia, but any subject. Right. I mean, pedophilia to me has to be some sort of mental illness. For sure. Because everybody knows. Any pedophile knows like the sort of well, every, risk they're running by doing that. I mean, that sure. is like super condemned by our society, and for good reason. It should be. It should be. But yeah. just because it hurts so deeply, it hurts people so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of whether the person who did that had control over their actions, it doesn't really matter. They're hurting people. I mean, mm-hmm. and I think that gets to the it gets to a bigger question of retributive versus restorative justice. Like we shouldn't be. I don't think putting somebody in prison for murder as like some sort of revenge because you're not it doesn't bring anybody back to life right it should be because to stop them from murdering anybody else we don't want any more loss right we don't want that person it, but it shouldn't be for the point of like some tribalist or some like very deep apish you know like we got you back you know what i mean yeah. like i don't know that kind of punishment it's like an how does that change anybody right yeah right that's i guess the summarizes it yeah, yeah. my friend i makes so we're blind like that horror method now they should i don't know that's just a subject that gets very intense because obviously if i had somebody in my family murdered i would i would feel very vengeful i would want revenge mm-hmm. but i think if i became emotionally stable i would realize still that that's probably not the best option right it's like you said coming from a place of kindness rather than hate and fear and revenge yeah and it's easy to be hateful and, and vengeful it's I mean, easy it's, it's and that's the thing that's where being getting better every day that's the hardest thing yeah and i've seen you i mean you've I mean, you're all posting a lot about, like, you know, in the middle of a lot of very negative, if not true stuff going around on Facebook, you're posting some of the more happy stuff. And that's important. And some people might, you know, because you're posting, like, positivity things from these protests or whatever, like, or at least you were, I don't know, you know. Yeah. And, and I and a lot of people would be like, I, I know people would say to you, like, oh, you're, you're deflecting from the point. You're deflecting from the problem here. And I don't think you are. I just think you're trying to, like... Everybody, if everybody's doing negative, like why not show some of the this positive steps? I don't think it's I don't think it's saying oh we have everything solved. I don't think that's <laughs> what you're saying. I don't think no. you're saying like, but I don't know. Not and I I think I don't know. And at the end of the day, I think there are more people like that are that like seeing stuff like that than the, the negative stuff. I um, would like to hope so. That's really where I come from. Is I I personally think there are more 
negative people in the world than there are positive people, but I yeah. think positivity is more powerful than negativity. Surely. I mean, you have to believe that. I mean, even if it's not, even if it's not true, which I don't know if it is or not. Yeah, and we'll never know. I mean, yeah, I mean, but how can you live a life led by anger and bitterness? I mean, even if you have every right to do so. Not how, but why would you? Why well, would right, you right. To? Yeah, I mean, even if, I mean, that, I don't know. It's easy. I mean, everybody does. I mean, I'm not fucking, I have days where I feel easy. bad for it's myself for and I sure. feel like angry at the world for whatever way I got, I can perceive I got screwed over. But if you really take a step back, you can always find, and it's not saying don't complain about your problems and don't try to fix things. I'm not saying like, yeah, no, there aren't societal it's problems. It's to get better, but it's realizing that it's hard. <laughs> yeah, right. And so I'm not saying like, almost, oh, just shut up and be happy to people who have it harder. But you can always find somebody who does have it harder than you. You can. And that that is important. You have to remember like, okay, I've been given, even though compared to the next guy, I might have less or a lot more privilege. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about just skin color. I'm just talking about life privilege or whatever. Yeah. Or advantages. You're right. Or anything. I guess same word, whatever, you know. Things that I've had easier for mm-hmm. than somebody else. I can also find stuff I've had harder, but if I just focus on the hard stuff, I'm going to feel hopeless. I'm going to feel yeah. like very, um, I'm going to want to give up and I'm going to want to say, you know, fuck this dude. I don't want to try because I don't feel like I have a chance or I don't feel like. And which, those are the days you stay in bed all day and do nothing. Which I've had which days exactly, like that. Yeah, yeah, it it's easy to slip into. Well, and it's like inevitable. I feel like mm-hmm. there sometimes it's just going to happen. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you do. It's part of the emotional landscape. I think you do have right. to process in that way sometimes. But mm-hmm. it's it's You have to give yeah, up to, to realize that you gave up and want to come back. Right. You got. It's true. You have to fall down to get up again. Yeah. And the most important part is getting up again because you're going to keep exactly. falling down. But, I mean, yeah, so... Yeah. I, anyway. Yeah. I, I think, hope that. Yeah, but that covers. Uh, see, there was never like a conclusion with this topic because it's a debate that's never going on forever, and it's yeah, exactly. But, but it's always fun. It's a good conversation. Yeah, and especially with somebody like you, you and I, I mean, I would I would like to compare myself to you know some people that are like more informed and more moderate, like on the the topic, you know, of, of yeah. getting both. I'm not gonna scream at you for not being a certain way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I appreciate you coming out. I know you got uh, you're a busy guy all the time, and you do. Honestly, today I'm less busy. So (laughs) I mean, or like today I'm somewhat. But I mean, like in general, like I've actually been less busy than I have in a long time, which has been good and also depressing. So I need to get back. (laughs) I need to get back. Yeah, it's it's because it allows it. Because I feel like I just focus on my my woes all day when I'm not doing anything. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Whoa yeah. Whoa yeah. <laughs> Whoa yeah. But don't do that. And that's yeah. how we should end it. Yeah. Don't focus Everybody on Everybody try to smile today. Smile, make yourself better, be and good people. Alright, Logan. Thanks for coming around, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Always love talking to that guy. Super, super intelligent and, and just a goon in general. And uh yeah, we have a great connection and I don't know. Cool guy. Awesome. Anyways, thanks for listening. I know, I hope you got all the way through it. I did, personally. (laughs) Twice. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. Thank you. Amen. Okay, bye. Welcome back, Articulators. Ew, it's such a gross name.